It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets with the host of the Locked On Nets podcast, Doug Norrie. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Let's talk Brooklyn Nets. There's going to be two shows on the Brooklyn Nets. As with all these team previews, we've done the Hawks. We've done the Hornets, we've done the Celtics, so we're going to be talking with Doug from a local perspective on the Nets about rotations and injuries and all that sort of stuff, and then in the second show, we'll dig into the fantasy perspective of it all. So, hey, let's bring Doug in now and have a chat. So, let's bring him in. Doug Norrie, host of the Locked On Nets podcast, one of the hosts of the Locked On Nets podcast. Doug, welcome back to Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Oh, yeah, excited to be here. Talk some Nets. No, NBA never stops. So uh, happy to roll all through the summer talking Nets. Yeah, it's uh, it, it doesn't stop. You're right. We just had a, a trade go down, a three-way trade uh, today, a couple of hours ago, which will uh, actually tomorrow I'm going to be talking uh, to one of the Locked On Cavs hosts. So we'll talk about Larry Markkinen in that show. But let's talk Brooklyn Nets here, Doug. That's what we're here to do, of course. Uh, that would make that would make a, a lot of sense if that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so let's yeah. uh, let's go into it. And the first thing we're going to do with with all the guests is go through, and you need to give us what you think the optimal or the you know, opening night, no injuries starting lineup is going to be for the Brooklyn Nets. So what's your starting five? The starting five, well, the three are the first three are obvious, and that's yes. Durant, uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. There's no doubt about that. I, Joe Harris is probably a starter, also, so I don't think we need to probably wring our hands too much about that one. The final one with the center, we'll probably get more into this later, but um, my guess is just Blake Griffin to start, just because that's where they sort of ended the playoffs, and it would be weird to change it. So um, I think that he is the starting center when the season starts, whether he finishes that way or whether he lasts the, like the whole season, I think that's probably up for debate. But I think opening night against the Bucks, they knew that worked against them. You have to keep him in there. Blake was really good. So I think he ends up starting at center, uh, and I think that's the five. So uh, Durant, Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin's the starting five uh, for the Brooklyn Nets opening night. Yeah, that's how I see it as well. And you probably won't find a larger Nick Claxton fan than me, but I just don't think they're going to go that direction uh, to start things off. I think there's a big possibility that he can really break out and, and play a significant role this year. But I, I do think that it will be Griffin that's starting in that in that role. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it. Actually, let's talk about it now. What's the likelihood that DeAndre Jordan's on this team a month from now? So that's that. That's a case of inner debate, I think, among fans and obviously the front office. I think he's just going to be on the team. I, I actually think, and this is, I, I didn't think that he would start, but I think there's a place for him. I know he didn't play at all to end the season, 
but he, but that was mostly just like a matchup thing. And they kind of were preparing for the playoffs. And I think understanding that come playoff time, his usefulness was going to be pretty greatly diminished. I actually do think there's a world where he can provide some regular season value for the Nets in terms of just eating up minutes in a big way and saving because the, 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 the problem I have with Blake as a starting center is not so much that he doesn't shouldn't be there come playoff time. It's that you really don't want to waste run his miles out during the season. I don't think. And the offense is going to be so good. If all three of those other guys are healthy that it kind of, in some ways, at least for the regular season, doesn't matter so much who the starting center is. I don't think. And I think in that case, Short of buying him out, which I really don't think is going to happen, um, or trading him, which feels like almost impossible. The I actually think he could see some minutes. I know you're you're Australian. A baseball reference would for this would be like a, a middle inning, a, a middle reliever in baseball that just needs to eat innings. I think that's like the basketball equivalent here. So I I kind of think he actually does play some, with the idea that come playoff time, that's not going to be the case. But during the regular season, I wouldn't be shocked if he actually got playing time. Yeah, look, I, I can say that. Look, if they don't look, there is reports that they are, you know, they would consider buying him out or they would look to trade, but they've been looking to trade him for ages and no one's buying that. And he's still got a couple of years left on a deal. So it wouldn't be a great move to be um to be just buying that contract out. But you're right, like the third center at the moment, if we don't include DeAndre Jordan, is Dayron Sharp. And I don't think they want him you know, in there playing you know, significant minutes at all during the, the regular season. I'd love for them to just to develop Claxon there, but just having a bigger, stronger guy who admittedly struggles on both offense and defense at this point, but can go out there and grab rebounds and DeAndre Jordan can do that. There is some sense in playing him those minutes just because of his size and, and what he offers. It's a little bit different to what Claxton and what Griffin do. And they don't have Jeff Green who's going to be out or who would be able to come in and play those minutes. They could also throw uh, James Johnson into that role. But they don't have uh, Jeff Green, who played a lot of center for them. Now, in terms of the the bench rotation, most coaches will go with a 10-man rotation. So it's usually five guys coming off the bench. Who do you think those five are uh, on a regular basis? So on a regular basis, I think the just to start, Patty Mills will get a lot of six-man um, looks. He's already up. You know, If you look at betonline.eg, he's actually ranks pretty high up there in the odds for six-man of the year. It's probably not all that realistic. But I think he's going to play a decent amount like probably similar to what you saw him play with the spurs last season that like 22 to 23 four minutes something like that come in score some points like offer a little secondary ball handling so i think he's pretty locked in you mentioned claxton uh, you probably have to fight my my podcast partner adam armbrecht to, to find a bigger claxton fan you guys can duke it out because he he's been screaming from the mountaintops to see him more i think we will see him a decent amount obviously bruce brown who you know, at started for this team at times, he's got a, a spot in the rotation for sure. He's a, an odd fit. If you don't watch a ton of Nets games, he's a, a small guy that effectively plays offensive center uh, for them. But if he can try to start, there's an idea that he's going to probably try to have to range out a little bit more uh, this season, especially with the big three. So I think those three guys are pretty set uh, in terms of coming off the bench. The last two spots, if you have to go out to 10, Cam Thomas was so good during the during summer league <laughs> that I think they're probably feeling like they got they really found you know a draft diamond in the rough. The fact that he dropped, I think he'll play. And then uh, I think James Johnson, like you mentioned, because he's just sort of just enough of a Swiss Army knife off the ball. Like you really don't want him dribbling <laughs> or on the deck all that much. But his off the ball stuff, his defense, his size, his toughness, he kind of can fit into a lot of different roles. So I think. Those are the guys. So it's Mills, Brown, uh, in no order. Mills, Brown, James Johnson, Claxton, and Cam Thomas. And I'm still holding out a spot there for DJ, like I mentioned before. 
for 11. And I think those, and I think the Nets just have a lot of reasons to, to give these guys lots of minutes because the idea is the worst thing they can do here in the regular season is wear the big three down. And so I do actually think they go probably even a little deeper with the rotation because they are kind of flexible around some of their scores off the bench too. I'm going to talk about the bench in just a second, but you gave us a great segue into this by talking about the sixth man odds at betonline.ag. But if you don't want to bet sixth man odds at BetOnline, you can also bet football because football season, college, I think we're two days away from the first college football game of the season. The NFL is uh, heading into week three of preseason and the best place to place your your bets for football is at BetOnline. Get all the updated odds, promos, Props, contests, all over at BetOnline, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, open now at BetOnline. Be sure to take advantage also of their opening day super promo. You make a bet on the opening night game on Thursday, September the 9th, between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, you get refunded up to $25 for new customers who sign up using the promo code NFL 100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, football, basketball, boxing, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the offers that they have for the 2021 season. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Now, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You mentioned you know, Patty Mills you know, being sixth man of the year. I saw a, I'm not going to say who said it, people can find it. I saw a ludicrous take that someone said that Cam Thomas would be would be a huge, huge chance to be rookie of the year and sixth man of the year. Now, that seems insane considering he'd be yeah. ma- maybe the ninth man on the Nets. And um, and look, there's a possibility if they're looking for defense on that bench unit, Javon Carter could play over him or DeAndre Bembry could play over him. But you're right, he did play a significant role and he was the leading scorer in summer league. Now, just just a quick thing on Cam Thomas. I've, I think you can look at this in, in two ways and I've seen multiple takes either way. The fact that Thomas is an electric scorer who does very little else and people go, well, that's great. Look at the Nets. They're just loading up on offense. They've got this guy that can just take over when one of these big three gets injured. But to me, it it puts it puts Thomas in a weird situation in that the fact that he's going to need three of those guys to be out for him to actually get the ball in his hands a ton. And I'm not sure that's the best use of a rotation spot for a guy that just needs the ball consistently in his hands to actually have that sort of an impact because he's not really a defender. He's not a passer of any stretch. So while he did play well in summer league and he was that that situation is set up for him to play like that, how do you see that overall fit? Like, is he going to have any sort of value as a spot-up guy playing off the ball? Because, again, when him and Paddy Mills are out there, Paddy Mills is the guy that needs the ball in his hands. Like, this is an established NBA um, player who is you know, very, very good at what he does versus you know, Cam Thomas coming in and jacking up shots. Yeah, so I'll start off by saying I think you're completely right by there's no chance that he wins either of those two awards. So I'm 100% with you there. I, he's like moved up the rankings in terms of his draft spot to, to where he's like higher in the odds than oh, he yeah. was in his draft that's spot. I know no that, that's, that. not a perf- that's not a perfect comp for the value, but um, I think the understanding is like the Nets got something there. I'm with you on that part of it. Now, the Nets problem last year was at times when they they dealt with so many injuries around these scorers that those three scorers 
were so electric, obviously, when they're all together, but they're sort of what they they miss so much time together that at times it feels crazy to say they kind of needed another guy like this. It's definitely in the playoffs. They needed like one more guy like this that could just spell a little bit. So I think there's a part where there's a world where he sees enough and they want to try to de develop the other pieces of his game that haven't having him just be relegated to the end of the bench would not make sense because he's, he is very good at one thing. And yeah. if you can round out the other pieces of his game, then he actually becomes like an actual real, real rotation player. So I think there's going to be incentive around having him try to develop that piece. I probably, if I'm thinking about it, well, I was thinking about it. He would be last on that list, but uh, in terms of like the guys off the bench, probably, but I also think there's great incentive to not just bury him now, because if you're in the NBA like this and you can do one thing, I'm not going to say he's an elite level. It was just the summer league. If you can do one thing very well, which he can, which is score. I think that's going to be pretty much a lock. The ability to try to round out that game along with other NBA players. I think there's actually a lot of incentive to try to do that, especially when I hate to say this, but for the regular season, I don't think the nets are prioritizing the regular season as a testing ground for, like how good the big three can be together. I think that they want to keep them healthy and happy, but in terms of like going max minutes in any of these guys playing tons of road, like, you know, playing tons of games, I really don't think that's going to happen all that much. And I think when that's the case, there is a role for him. Like, and I, and I can see that role developing much more than say Javon Carter, because I think we kind of know what he is, which is fine. He's a good player and it's a nice, to, and it's a nice, and the bench uh, veteran to kind of have, but the way the Nets are sort of currently constructed, I think they're kind of already constructed like a, like a championship team. And at that point you kind of can find incentive incentivized reasons to sort of work a little bit on development. That's kind of where I see Cam Thomas. And I'm with you that I do not think that he is, he will not see enough shots or enough minutes to be in the talk for either of those two awards, because so much would need to happen for either of those two things to happen. But I do think there's minutes for him. That's an interesting segue, I guess, into talking about injuries because we look at this Nets team and we go, well, they're, they're, they're super powered, like Harden, Irving, Durant, right? We know that. And we look at how good they were last season, but we also have to look at it, the fact that they didn't play together really at all. And even in the playoffs, there were plenty of injury concerns. Now, I think that's something that we need to mention this. Let's, let's just talk quickly. We know James Harden was dealing with a hamstring injury in the playoffs and Kyrie Irving missed with an ankle injury. There's no concern with those injuries currently, is there, Doug? No, not at all. Either Kyrie was a fluky, just kind of twisted on Giannis's foot, and Harden's thing. I mean, you're probably a little more worried about that soft tissue stuff because it kept recurring. If you want to believe gym videos that are happening over the summer, he looks like in perfect shape, just like everyone does at this time of year in a workout season. So I, I know, but I don't think in general, no, there's no concern around those two injuries at all. Yeah, and look, People are dropping Harden in fantasy drafts because he had a recurring hamstring injury last year. And while that can be sometimes a lot, an ongoing thing, the fact that he re-injured that hamstring so many times is because he kept coming back too quickly. And that's not yeah. the case now. Like He hurt it again in May and came back in, in May or, or June. I can't remember when it was. But he's not playing again until October. So that's not coming back too early. So to me, the recurrence of that injury is not because, well, his hamstring is just done like he's just cooked in that area it's just because he, they kept pushing him to to come back or he kept pushing to come back too early and you know when James Harden says I'm coming back I think the Nets are saying no you're not which I think they probably need to look at how they're dealing with that sort of thing but in terms of injuries 
the prevailing, this is where I wanted to go with this, the prevailing sentiment with this team is they're so good that they're not going to push minutes. They're going to rest lots of games. But, Doug, let me put it this way to you. They played shit tons of minutes last year, these guys, when they actually played. Like Harden averaged, what, 36 a night? And Kyrie was playing 34, and Durant was playing 34 a night, even with the multiple injuries that they they suffered during the year. Like, they came back, and they played a lot of minutes. Because James Harden is someone, and Durant has had injuries in the past, but Harden's been someone in, in the past that's like, if I'm here, I am playing huge minutes every single night. Please do not sit me down. And he has that. I guess, cachet within any organization to say this is what's going to happen. So to me, it feels, while on the surface and from the outside, we go, well, the thing makes sense. Let's limit these guys. Let's keep them healthy for the playoffs. But it's much like the narrative that gets surrounded with LeBron. He's going to take his foot off the gas. He's going to sit all these games. He's going to play no minutes. And it literally never happens. So I find it really, I can't get my head around the fact that if he's healthy, James Harden's going to play 60 games and play 32 minutes a night. It just isn't going to happen. And Irving's going to play his 33. And Durant's going to play his 34, 35. I just don't see them all coming out there and playing 29 and a half minutes uh, per game and you know, sitting 20 games regularly and routinely resting back-to-backs. Because if they're healthy, to me, they're just going to play. Yeah, so this is this is an interesting spot because there was times last year where Adam and I would talk at length about how it almost seemed, I mean, not criminal, but bordering on it, how many minutes these guys were playing in what we both they played to be sort ton. of me- meaningless games, totally meaningless games. Like they they meant they meant something at the time, and things in the regular season can always feel like it's like more pressing than it really is. And then you get to the playoffs and you realize, oh, none of that really mattered all that much. It matters, but not, not to the point you think sometimes it does in the regular season. And there were times where they were pressed up against 40 minutes, which seemed, I mean, like almost like malpractice. Yep. And the so I think that they I think you're right. I think they held enormous amount of sway around what the rotations are because of who they are, and they can sort of dictate, especially to a guy like Nash. Um, they can sort of dictate what the, what it is they want to ha- have happen. I also think that my guess is, and I'm not this is not sourced, but my guess is after seeing what sort of happened last year, that you will not see necessarily a foot off the gas piece in terms of you're not going to come out and play 30 minutes. But I do think one, there will be many fewer games like we saw last year, where it's like they're playing like 38 minutes, 39 minutes. This is nuts. This is great. Like why for what? I don't think we see those games as much. I think there is enough like honestly bench scoring at this point that I think there's a a real world where they're hopefully blowing teams out a lot more than they did last year where they can take their foot off the gas. Uh, Like we saw this at times with like teams like Milwaukee, right? They just, they're just killing everybody by the fourth quarter. And then, you know, you look at Giannis, it didn't happen as much last year, but you look at Giannis's minutes, you're like, they played 29, 30 minutes because they were just beating everyone's brains out by 15 points with four minutes left to go in every single game. And, and that was the end of his minute. So it didn't matter. I think there's some hope that that kind of happens more that the more they stay healthy, the more that, and if they can play together, that they will just run other teams out of the gym pretty quickly, especially if they have some bench scoring as well, that really they'll never take their foot off the gas. I think that's a hope too. So I think there's, two things i don't i think i do think of the rest back-to-backs because i think that's just kind of sort of in some ways where we are a lot of times with the nba i think that they will probably hopefully um benefit from if they have greater health then they will just beat teams by more and that that will just sort of organically take the minutes off the table and then i think that there's just going to be a hope a hope here that the, the understanding is we just can't do what we we can't do what we did last year. The team's deeper a little along some lines. We just don't need to. And we saw that it can just really hurt you late in the season. The interesting thing to me will be the back-to-backs. I don't think that they're going to routinely rest back-to-backs, especially Harden. 
Um, I, I think that he might sit one or two, but for the 12 back-to-backs I think they have this season, I don't think there's any way that you know, these guys sit at least one of those games all year. I, I don't think we're going to have you... We'll just pencil Durant in for missing twelve those twelve games, and Irving's missing twelve, and Harden's missing. I, I don't, they'll they'll miss some. I'm sure of that. Especially if it's like, hey, they've played five games in the last seven nights, and there'll be a game sat there. But even last year, coming back from an Achilles injury, Durant played back to backs during last season. Um, you know, Kyrie played back to backs. Harden, of course, played in back to backs. I don't think that it's going to be they're going to routinely sit. But hey, we will see how that all goes. But. One thing you can see, Doug, is if you need a part for your car, rockauto.com, it's the place to go. You don't want to go into a local chain auto parts store, line up at the counter, have the bloke behind the counter tell you, mate, you're going to have to order it in. Mate, you've got a computer in your pocket or or at home. You can search up rockauto.com and find those parts and save money. Doug, are you a do-it-yourselfer for your car? Oh, all the way through Rock Auto. Battery through there the other day. New car battery for, for, for the uh, Toyota Tundra. So, been on Rock Auto plenty. No, yeah. <laughs> you have to go there. There's no place to go to the local. No reason to go to the local place. The only thing I do for my own car is put water in the uh, in the wipers. And even then, I struggle. So, Rock Auto, look, it's great for people who know how to fix their car. I don't. I'd probably blow it up. But when you know what you're doing, Rock Auto is the place to go. They are a family business serving. Do it yourself as online for the last 20 years. So, go to rockauto.com. And in there, how did you hear about us box? Type in locked on so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and with rockauto.com you're browsing you're getting your parts and you get a bit hungry you want a delicious and healthy treat and built bar is the way to go the best tasting protein bar ever doug favorite built bar flavor grasshopper baby a thin mint fan over here so the grasshopper cookie is the uh is the is, is the jam it's kind of limited it's been on a limited time but uh that's the one to go sweet car- caramels the, the other way i can uh sort of be talked into there are so many good flavors it's really hard to choose from but i'm a thin mint guy so grasshopper cookie i have not had the grasshopper cookie yet and uh bill bar if you're listening you can send the one out to me i'd uh, i'd like to like to give that one a try but they are fantastic flavors there's the nine base flavors there's special edition flavors they throw out there as well but not only are these delicious but they are healthy 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories per bar, just four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you get 15% off your order at built.com. Get a box of built bars, built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, Doug, let's go on to the, uh, the next question that we've got here. And that is, yeah, how much do the big three rest? We've sort of covered that question already, so I reckon we can just move on to the next one. Um, all right, starting centers. Steve Nash was, as a first-year coach, I thought was really impressive last year, and he really went into things and just said, well, whatever the matchup is, we are just changing things around, whether that's starting Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Jordan, Nick Claxton, Joe Harris came off the bench at times. He just rotated that starting lineup multiple, multiple times. And I think the obviously the pivot point there is going to be the starting center again. So while we can pencil Blake Griffin in as a starting center, do you think that we're going to get more or, or similar rotation levels in terms of that starting center position that Nash showed last season? Yeah, so I think that I... I... I think that Blake, like I said from the beginning, Blake Blake will be the starter. Claxton, they have to continue trying to develop him to see if they he's actually sort of like a championship level piece or if he's someone that they can ship off to a place where it might be a better fit. He's got really parts of his game that are very good. He's an excellent sort of switchable defender. He can really guard perimeter players if caught on a switch. Um, he's a good rebounder. He needs he's really struggles at the offensive end. His reads are really slow. So I think that there's a good reason to try to get him more meaningful minutes. It'd be great if he, he looks like he's bulked up a little bit. He needs to bulk up a little bit more. 
uh, to be able to take on some of the matchups. But I do think you see he was injured for a lot of the season last year, yeah. too, which kind of cut into his minutes as well. And so um, I do think they really tr- are going to want to play him more. So I think you see minutes out of him. You make a great point that they're, they are the way that the fluidity around their offense means that they're they don't have to be big at center all the time. I mentioned before, like when Bruce Brown plays with James Harden, he plays this short role center position, which is a weird, really weird for a you know, six two guy, but he actually was awesome at it last year. Yeah, the guy that used to be, <laughs> um, the, like, like he short, used to be the, the point guy for the role. Pistons and now he's the center for the Nets. Yeah, they turned him into a totally different thing. And they really and they took a lot of advantage of teams and he was really good at hitting these little mini floaters in the lane that really kind of negated the fact that he was much smaller than the guys he was facing. So they can play him at center, which he'll never qualify fantasy-wise at center, but he probably should at this point. Um, so you have him, like I said, Claxton. I mentioned DJ. I think there's a role for him there. I don't think we see as much as Sharp. Uh, like you mentioned, that they, they, they drafted him. He was a first-round draft pick. I, I think he's just from watching him in summer league, I think there's a, like sort of a lot of work that needs to be done. He actually, in a weird way, is a mix. His skill set is a mix of all those guys. He's not better at any one particular thing than any of the guys I mentioned, but he can do lots of different things well. So if you want to try to squint and see it about trying to bring him in there, I think there's like some world, but I think, and then you mentioned James Johnson too, if they want to go like the small ball kind of threat, I think there's so many options there. And when you play with guys like not as much Kyrie, but if you play with guys like Harden and, and Durant, you you have so much flexibility around who, what the other guys have to do that you're afforded many many different iterations of your offense and defense because those guys are those guys do so much offensively and are so great that mixing and matching the nets can mix and match these other positions specifically center much better than really any other team in the league i mean i was going to say the lakers but that's not even correct because they kind of end up going double big so there's so much they can kill you in so many different ways with that position that going matchup like they and they can just dictate their own matchups too because they can go matchup based on you know, they can't start Bruce Brown at center when they're playing Embiid, but short of situations like that, they can kind of just, they can make it, you know, bring their offense to you and you can figure out how you're going to stop it rather than having to just, you know, do it the opposite way around. So I think we see a lot of, a lot of minutes. I don't think anyone plays outsized. I don't really think like any of that group plays 30 minutes a game. I don't, I I think I can pretty confidently say that. I think you'll see all these guys kind of in the low twenties or maybe even lower. And as they just kind of pick and choose their spots, so from a fantasy perspective, that can be a rough, a rough shout. But otherwise, yeah, I think that there's there's just almost there's just so so many ways they can go with it. Last thing we're going to talk about here is that not really a sixth man role, but the the sixth starter role because there's going to be as you know, someone's going to get hurt, people are going to get rests. Durant, Griffin, Harden, Irving, these guys are, are going to miss. It's maybe not Harden, but they're going to miss some time. So last season, the guy that they would often uh, plug in there was Bruce Brown. Sometimes it was Jeff Green, but he's not there. So if one of those guys goes down, do you think it will be Brown who becomes the the de facto yeah, sixth starter? Will it be Patty Mills that jumps in there or will it be James Johnson or will it, like we just talked about with the center, just be something they mix around? I, I don't think that Mills is a guy they'll often put into that starting lineup, but yeah, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that. No, I don't think, I don't think Mills, I, I, and this is again, not source, but I don't think that Mills plays in the starting rotation. I, he just not he's just not that kind of guy at this point in his career. They don't really probably need him to. He's a little older, so there's no reason to kind of press him into that spot. He's been coming off the bench pretty consistently for the last couple of years with the Spurs. I mean, he's basically started like like three games over the last three years or something like that. So it's not like he's been used to the starting role anyway. 
I don't think he's really going to be the guy almost in any situation. Weirdly, that's just a guess, but I, no, I, I just agree. don't see it happening. Brown, uh, there's just enough versatility around his game that he can slot in for multiple different starters and you can probably feel okay about it. And then around the bigs, it's just kind of going to be dependent, sort of matchup dependent. But Brown, Brown is such a jack of all trades, like Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Also, good defender too, can really guard up uh, over his size, which really, when you're playing with the other three guys, when you just kind of need to be a defensive specialist at times, that does really help too, especially considering if you can take the defensive load off of Harden and off of Irving at times, like Bruce Brown can do that against primary ball handlers as well. So there's lots of reasons to fit him into the lineup without worrying that you're not getting almost anything from the perimeter or from on-ball creation. But you, when you're playing with the other guys, it just doesn't matter as much. So yeah, I think he, he'll probably end up slotting in the most just because he can do lots of different things and you don't need to worry about him you know, being worried if he doesn't have the ball or catching and shooting or any of that other stuff, he can kind of just take up, take the role that he has and excel in it. And then it's, and it's just so different from what the rest of the guys do. The, the other interesting thing is, is because of the flexibility of Durant, who can play the three, four and the five, and then Irving and Harden can both play at point. They can both play off ball. Harden can guard up and play at the three as well. So that whoever you put in there, the flexibility of Brown helps, but those other guys can just move around and play in different positions too. And Harris can play the two, the three, and sometimes yeah, as a really small ball stretch for two. Now, the last question I have for you, Doug, is one that's only going to be of real interest to the very, 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 very deep league players. They, the Nets had a lot of second-round picks in this draft, and two of them are currently unsigned, Marcus Zegarowski and Raekwon Gray. Who gets the uh, last two-way spot? Yeah, I, I think I've, there's been speculation that it was me, Zegarowski. It's weird that they've waited this long. It is. Um, I Because they, they have this open spot, and I'm not exactly sure what the And I've tried to figure this out, like what they're waiting for. <laughs> to, Maybe to, they're waiting they, to they, get, they, get rid of DeAndre Jordan it, and then can give one guy a full contract, <laughs> one guy a two-way. It could be, but there's also talk about how the Nets are these open season, um, open oh, season yeah. landing spots for these unsigned veterans like JJ Redick or Paul Millsap, right? So these guys that sort of might go championship hunting later in the season. I know that doesn't exactly answer the two way spot because they're not going to sign two way contracts. But the fact that there is this open spot on the roster still, and they have not signed any of those guys, and we're this far out of the specifically summer league where you know, Zagreski played actually pretty well. David Duke Jr. played pretty well too. Um, so. It is a little weird that they've continued to hold this open. They've been so good with cap and roster flexibility stuff over the years, specifically like signing guys that no one else, like Mike James even was a guy that they, other teams in the league were like annoyed that they got to sign him because it seemed like they shouldn't have been able to. They kind of skirted around some different um, transfer stuff. So like I always, whenever it's sort of quiet in the Nets front, it's not for lack of doing something. It's just because you rarely know what they're going to do. And then it just happens. <laughs> that's been, that's been sort of the, the way it's operated for them in the Sean Marks era. Um, I don't have great confidence that any one of those guys actually gets it, but only because it's just so weird that it hasn't happened yet. And it does feel like they're holding these spots open for, like you mentioned the DJ move. Maybe that's the thing that happens, or maybe they're just in ongoing talks. I mean, again, they're the other example, and like, this isn't the two way thing, but LaMarcus Aldridge just signaled that he wanted to come oh, yeah. back. That he's been cleared to play uh, again, and he has been nothing but you know hugely complimentary of how the Nets handled that whole situation. So it feels like if he was going to make that decision, he'd come back and play for the Nets. So it's like they're just tied to all these other guys, and I just don't know if they're just sort of holding spots open because they have other future plans. Well, I'm sure absolutely no one cares about Zegarowski or Gray, but I thought I'd ask the question anyway. Doug, thank you for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. If you want to hear more Zegarowski and Raekwon Gray talk, you can check Doug out on Locked On Nets five days a week. Doug, thank you again.
All right, brother. Thanks a lot. And that will do it for today's show. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Subscribe, notification bell, share it with your friends. We'll be back with a fantasy Brooklyn Nets show later on today as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.